if you uh, look in Galatians, you know there's a list, a list of fruits of the Spirit. So there's going to be some congregational um, interaction here, and I've got Josh up here, and so I'm going to call um, for uh, the congregation to give me the nine fruits that are listed. Right out, let's start. Love, Josh, number one is love. Thank you. Rightio. Others? Come back. Joy is number two. Keep going. Peace, number three. Number four? Come back. Patience. Thanks, Marnie. Patience. Keep going. Any more? Kindness, number five. Hang on, hang on, hang on. One at a time. Who was that one? Goodness is next. After goodness is what? Self-control is number nine. Thanks, Rach. Self-control, number nine. Any others? Faithfulness is number seven. One more, gentleness. Thanks, Marnie. Righto, Josh, your job's done. See you, mate. Give us a pen. Thank you. Well, I've got a confession to make, <clears throat> and that is that I fall short in the whole nine areas of the fruits of the Spirit. I think that I'm, I'm a reasonably easygoing sort of bloke. Uh, not much upsets me. I don't hold grudges and I like to get on with life. But I am impulsive. My mouth goes into gear before my brain. There's things I say and do that I regret later. I say, why did I do that? Or why did I say that? And I do damages to relationships because of my impulsiveness, my lack of self-control. So today, we're going to look at self-control, because this sermon's for me. Now, the Greek word for self-control in, in Galatians chapter 5 is egrikate, which means temperance, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. But it can mean more, more than that, I think, and it means to just to control your emotions. <clears throat> so in our modern society with stuff on the social media, the ability to make a scathing post while maintaining a certain um, anonymity, the availability of sex, drugs, alcohol and the like, virtually all at our fingertips, self-control is a pretty important aspect of our lives in 2023. We all need to think of the consequences before we act. We need to strengthen our self-control. Now at home, if you've been near to our place, you'll know that alongside our house we have 
what we used to have an orchard with um, a covered in orchard, which we had fruit trees in. There's only one left. Um, but Tracy uh, has a, a very good veggie garden in there. Uh, <clears throat> but in that uh, orchard, we, had a, we have a beautiful nectarine tree. And right at the moment, it is loaded with fruit, big, nice, juicy nectarines. The thing is, there's a little squeaker, or what do you call squeakers? Miners, yeah, you know, the little fellas. He gets in there and he doesn't eat the fruit, but what he does, he pecks every fruit and ruins the fruit. And I've searched, we cannot find where he's, we could not find where he gets in, but eventually we found that he's walking along the ground and going underneath the pipe at the ground to get in. So every morning I used to get up, open the gate, drive him out, uh, but he'd be back there the next day. So we had to repair the hole in the wire. So we all need to consider who or what are the intruders in our lives who come in and destroy our fruit. Now there's a proverb which highlights a person without self-control. Thanks, Em. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now in ancient days, the walls of the city protected it against the invasions from the enemies. And even a small opening in a wall meant that the entire city was open to attack. Self-control can be described as a healthy-mindedness that watches for the holes in the walls of our lives and keeps them patched up. When there are problems, it's very easy to focus on the problems. For example, we see people on TV discussing the homeless problems in the CBD. Everyone gets up in arms. Oh, it's a disgrace. People living on the streets, etc., etc., etc. But re recently we had a delegation of dignitaries going on about the problems surrounding the Bankshire Detention Centre. You can't in in incarcerate young men like that. Most of these young men are Aborigines. We all know the problem, but seldom do we hear how to resolve them. Now, I'm going to give a bit of a bouquet to CBH here. <clears throat> when management comes to the board seeking financial, financial approval for different projects, for example, how can we get more grain down to port quickly, they don't just come up with the problem, they come up with the solutions. If we do this, it's going to achieve this and it's going to cost this price. If we do that, it's going to achieve that at that price per tonne. But sometimes they come up with five different scenarios. CBH, don't focus on the problem, but focus on how to resolve it. And that's what we need to do in this area of self-control. Focus on what we can do to have successful outcomes. 
So today, we're going to look at how to develop self-control. And it's not that complicated. Actually, the solution is as plain as the nose on your face. And if you can't guess, I hope by the end of the message you've had the aha moment, the light bulb moment, where you catch on. Now, alongside love and godliness, self-control serves as a major summary, summary term, sorry, for Christian living when it's in full blossom. For example, 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And 2 Peter 1.7 5 to 7. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patience, endurance and godliness and so on. And you know, one of the first things that must characterise Christian leaders or church leaders comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honourable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control live wisely and have a good reputation. And Titus 1.8, you one behind M, one more. Elders must be ready to welcome guests, love what is good, be wise, live right, be holy and self-controlled. Now it's not that hard to guess what self-controlled means. With self-controlled, we control ourselves. We control our desires, our wanters, and through self-control, we keep ourselves from doing something bad that we shouldn't do, and we make ourselves do good things that we should do. Now, the term self-control is a tricky little phrase. It is self controlled because no other person is doing it for us. Now consider this scenario. There's a full packet of Tim Tams open in the cupboard. You love Tim Tams. You wish you could eat the entire packet. But should you? No. Why not? A, it'd be terrible for your body and B, you'd probably vomit. But there's two ways to keep you from eating that entire packet. Someone could stop you or you could stop yourself. Your wife or your mum or someone else could take them away and hide them or you could just resist eating the whole lot. So is self-control when someone keeps you from doing something or when you can keep yourself from doing that thing? So self-control is when you control you. 
when you make yourself do the right thing. And just like a lion who naturally wants to prowl around and roar, our natural self, our sin nature, wants to do bad stuff sometimes. Now I told you, I've told you what I do when I shouldn't. And I imagine there's stuff in your life that you wished you could control as well. Now, the term self-control is exactly that. It is self-control because no other person is doing it for us. But, and a big but here, that doesn't mean that we're on our own. So here it is. God's Holy Spirit that lives in each believer is the one who is really giving us the power to have self-control. When we believe in Jesus, God's Spirit comes and dwells within us. Jesus always had self-control to keep himself from sinning and to obey God. And the reason he had this amazing self-control was because he was full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he spent as much time as he could with his Father. So the more time we spend with God, the more good fruit God will grow in our lives. Now Jesus is the one person that had perfect self-control his entire life. The Bible calls Jesus the one who had no sin, which means he never sinned at all. Think about that kind of self-control. He never thought, hmm... Just this one time I can tell a little lie. Or no one would see me punch my brother this once. Now we might think that Jesus lived a very different life to ours. We might think that no one ever bothered him or no, nothing ever went wrong for him. But you know, that, of course, that's not true at all. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted to sin in every way that we're tempted, which means people probably bugged him just as much as, much as they do us, but he never sinned. He was not mean to them. He didn't hit them. He didn't even think bad thoughts about them. That is amazing self-control. Cue here. The same spirit within Jesus, is available to us. Now this is the key. We have the same spirit that Jesus had. So we can have self-control just like Jesus did when we depend and rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us. So no matter what's going on around us, we can keep from doing wrong things and we can do right things. And you will find that the Holy Spirit will close doors or quite the opposite, open doors. He might prompt you to keep your mouth shut and conversely give you words to say. Now God's word teaches us to say no to godless ways and sin sinful longings. We must control ourselves. Titus 2, 12 tells us to turn away from godless living and sinful pleasures. Instead, 
We should live in the world with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God. So the more we seek wisdom, the more we, we desire to live a righteous life. The closer we walk with God, the more the Holy Spirit will guide us. You know, it's a no-brainer. It will become easier to develop our self-control. Now here's the thing. If you haven't picked it up already, we're talking about fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. This is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Jeff or Alan or Maureen. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Don't ever think that you have to grow this fruit on your own. In fact, you can't grow it on your own. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains joined to me and I to him, he will bear a lot of fruit. You can do nothing without me. So when we believe in Jesus, we enter God's kingdom and God's spirit comes to live in us. So the fruit of God's spirit grows and grows in us as we remain with Jesus, as we talk to him, as we listen to him, as we re read his word. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness and self-control grow in us and show in us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, truth self-control is not about bringing ourselves under our, our own control, but under the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. But let's not self flagellate or beat ourselves up over this if we're not meeting God's standards. That's not the purpose for today's message. I just want to remind you the lack of self-discipline or self-control in a few giants of the Bible. Start with Noah. One of the first things he did after he came off the ark was to plant a vineyard, make wine and get drunk. You can read about that in Genesis 8. Jacob, he was a deceiver, a serial liar. Jacob tricked his brother Esau into giving him the birthright of the firstborn and then he deceived his, his father Isaac in giving him the blessing. blessing. He claimed to, to obey his father's wishes, lie one. He called the goats meet my game, lie two. He even gained credit to the Lord himself for helping him find it so quickly, lie three. He not only lied about himself, but he lied about the Lord. Remember the story of Moses. He was a murderer. Seeing an Egyptian uh, beating a Hebrew, Moses checks to make sure he looks around, no one's looking. He kills the Egyptian and then buries him in the sand. Well, was he a murderer or was it manslaughter? 
He didn't contemplate and plan to kill that man. He killed him in a heat of anger. He lacked self-control. And further in the story of Moses, sorry, and further in the story of Moses, Moses was leaving a, a group of malcontents from Egypt into the promised land. They were rebelling, they were arguing, they were tired, they were whinging, they were thirsty, they were hungry. I can well imagine Moses had just about had enough of them. And God appears, they are really thirsty. God appears to Moses and Aaron, instructs Moses to speak to a rock and the much needed water would flow from it. Instead, Moses did what you and I would probably do. He's yell, he yells at the crowd, he gets angry and whacks the rock with his stick a couple of times, disobeying God's commands. Water still gushed out. But when we think of Moses, do we remember him for his lack of self-control? And then, of course, there's King David. He's a classic. You know about his lack of self-control with Bathsheba. He had an affair with another man's wife. And to try and cover it up, it led to the murder of, that, of her husband. David slipped up very, very badly. He didn't allow the Spirit of God to help his self-control. But you know that David was described as a man after God's own heart. And that's how he'll be remembered. A man after God's own heart is one who seeks to actively live in obedience to God while being captivated by the beauty, the sufficiency and necessity of God and is one who responds properly when confronted with his sin. I'd like to have that on my tombstone. And finally, the, the um, impetuous Apostle Peter. Peter, after being with Jesus for three years, you know the story, faced with a bit of scrutiny, denied him three times. Denied he even knew him. His mouth, he did a Jeff actually, his mouth went into gear before thinking it through. He lacked self-control. However, it was only a bit over a month later at Pentecost that P Peter preached possibly the greatest sermon ever where thousands were saved. And there's other examples of, well, another one is uh, the Apostle Paul. He had a Barney with Barnabas, if you remember, had a major disagreement. The Apostle Paul showed a lack of self-control. Why am I highlighting the stuff at the end of this message? Because God uses every single one of those people to build his kingdom. And that just goes to show that there's hope for you and me on our walk through life. You are never too far gone that God can't use you. So be encouraged rather than discouraged or disheartened if you know that you've fallen from God's standard. But the key is, Get back on the horse now. The fruit of God's Spirit, let me say that again, the fruit of the Spirit grows and grows in us as we remain with Jesus, as we talk to him, as we listen to him, as we read his word and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Love 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control grow in us and show in us as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So true self-control is not about bringing ourselves under our own control, but under the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Our Father, you know our faults. You know we all fall down. We fall short of, of what you require. But Lord, I pray this morning that each one of us will lean on the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do his stuff in our lives to grow, to grow us closer and closer to you. Amen.